Well, this morning, uh, just we begin with the simple question as we're looking at Jesus, our disciple maker, why do we gather each week? Why, why do we come each Sunday to be here in this place? Why do we gather each week? Um, today is certainly a day of remembrances. We are certainly, as Aaron reminded us, I appreciate the reminders, this is Juneteenth. This is a day that is significant in the history of our nation, a day that proclaimed freedom for those who had been wrongfully enslaved. It marks a time when we even remember the continued injustices and things that, that are being righted and wrongs in, in this society and in this world. We celebrate the freedom and yet the work that still has to be done. We look ahead. Just like in Jesus Christ, we have a freedom, a freedom from sin, a freedom from bondage, a freedom to move into, well, what's still to come, that eternity where we'll be free from death and free from pain and free from the agony of this life. This is also a day that we're remembering and celebrating fathers. Uh, Aaron reminded us of that, that, that we honor fathers, fathers who are with us still, fathers who have gone on, fathers who were good and fathers who aren't, didn't always live up to those expectations of what a father is supposed to be. We also remember that, as the writer of Hebrews points out, that we have a heavenly father who disciplines us for our good. We have earthly fathers that maybe disciplined us as they thought best, but our heavenly father is always doing what was good for us. We are here and we remember and we honor fathers today. But the reason we gather is not just to remember, is not just to celebrate national holidays or think about we gather, we come together because God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, the Lord of all things, the one who was before all time began, who started time in the first place, who put the heavens in their places, who declared things that are not as though they were, and as the writer of Romans says, and raises the dead. This God is our God, and we celebrate him, and we celebrate his son, who he sent to die for our sins. Did you get up excited this morning? Did you get up ready to come to church this morning? Did you come over? Can I confess that sometimes when the alarm goes off and I'm like, oh yeah, I got to get up. Oh yeah, it's church. <laughs> There's a little bit of, I got to go review the sermon real quick. Oh, I got to, and it seems like sometimes we can all get to where it's just an obligation. Jesus teaches us, as our great disciple maker, he teaches us about worship. It's why even here, even now, we come, we bring our families, because we want to remind them about what worship is is all about. Today, let's look at what Jesus teaches us about worship. But before we do, look at Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It talks about really the key verse about, I think, a heart of worship. And it says in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, that I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of his love for you, in view of creation, in view of the fact that he sent Jesus to die for your sins and given you eternal life, in view of all of his mercies, Offer your bodies as living sacrifices. That's holy and pleasing or acceptable to God. He says this is your true spiritual act of worship, not the songs that we sing, 
Not the Lord's Supper that we celebrate. Not the rituals and the prayers that we give. The true act of worship, he says, is offering ourselves as living sacrifices to God. It's saying, God, you gave everything for me. God, you created me. My fidelity, my loyalty are given back to you. You are the one I worship. I really enjoyed that song this morning. Only a God like you is worthy of my worship. Only one like you deserves all of who I am. Did you sing it? Did you resonate with that? I did. Once I finally got the melody, it was a little, it was a good one. But once I finally got it, yeah, that that was only a God like you. You, you see, how do we do that, though? I, I mean, it's easy to say, I offer myself as a living sacrifice. I give everything I have to the Lord. But how do we really give ourselves as a living sacrifice? And the image we have is that of like of an altar, right? Uh, you, you, the, the image is from the Old Testament where they took animals, rams or bulls or lambs, and they put them on the, and they sacrificed them to God, offering them as if God needed those, but it was to point to Jesus' sacrifice for our sins. But we are not called to literally lay ourselves down on some kind of a physical altar. Uh, what does it mean to be a living sacrifice? Well, I actually think that worship can take many different forms. There's many different ways that we can be that living sacrifice. Some of those things we're familiar with, maybe they're prayer, <clears throat> maybe it's the choir. Did anybody remember the choir? Did you sing in the choir? They, they, I think they kicked me out of that too. Uh, definitely they kicked me out of the handball choir. I, music was never really my big thing, but... but singing I enjoy. I don't know that everybody else enjoys, but I enjoy the singing. I remember uh, my winning, going to a Christian worship experience. There were 10,000 of us down uh, in Texas at a big convention center, and it was worship and praise, and you can kind of see the picture there of something like it. And they even had focused on the, on the local news. They were like, there's 10,000 college students worshiping God here at the convention center, and they had pictures. I got home that night, and my mother was like, I thought you were going to a worship service. I saw it on the news. It looked more like a rock concert. Wasn't it just a rock concert? I think that was a rock concert. And I was like, no, Mom, it was worship. I'm telling you, it was great. She's like, there were smoke machines. Smoke machines, I think that's a rock concert. Um, she, she didn't get it, right? And sometimes we look at these different expressions of worship, and we say, well, maybe that's not real worship, or that's not real worship. But Jesus, our disciple maker, Jesus shows us and that many different ways to glorify God and to give ourselves to him. Look at this passage in John chapter 12. It says six days before Passover. Okay, realize Passover is significant. Passover remembers it's a time of worship when all of the Jewish people were supposed to come together at the temple in Jerusalem from wherever they were in the Roman world, come together as families, come together in God's temple, at God's presence, to remember how God redeemed slavery, okay, like a Juneteenth, redeemed the slaves, the Israelites who had been slaves for 400 years, to redeem them out of that bondage in Egypt, bringing them out to a new level of freedom. This celebration of Passover was to remember how God passed over the Israelite homes, passing, sparing them, bringing them out in freedom as the sacrifice of the firstborn of the Egyptians, as God's judgment on the Egyptian nation was there. Passover was a celebration of worship. In the middle of that, look what happens. 
In Bethany, it says where Lazarus lived, Jesus, uh, whom Jesus had raised from the dead, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. A worship service happened. Do you get it? Passover was coming, they were selling, but a dinner was given to honor Jesus. This was an act of worship. Martha served. Martha, one of these friends of Jesus, Martha, whose brother had been raised from the dead, she's the one who organized. She's the one who put together this, the, 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 the whole dinner. In fact, we see it in another passage in the, in the Gospels where Martha complains about her sister. Remember, because her sister was sitting there listening to Jesus, and Martha was getting lunch ready for all the disciples and all the people, and Martha comes in there going, Hey, Jesus, <clears throat> my sister's doing nothing over here. Um, she should come help me in the kitchen. And Jesus is like, no, 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 Mary's doing what's better. It's not going to be taken from her. There were different ways to worship. Go ahead and back up. I'm not quite there yet. And Martha served while Lazarus this time, not Mary, but Lazarus is sitting there among those who were reclining at the table with him. Now, we can very quickly go to um, some sexism stuff, right? Why is Martha the one having to do all the kitchen work and Lazarus is there kind of chilling out, hanging out with the guys? Well, there were certainly some of those societal expectations of men and women. But I also think we need to stop and pause and realize that Jesus didn't use this to say, okay, everybody, we're all getting in the kitchen. Jesus allowed there to be different expressions of worship. Jesus allowed for there to be different expressions of honoring to him. There were those that would sit at his feet, those who were eager and were listening and, and hearing, and those who were like, you know, my act of service is going to be going and getting the food ready. My act of service is to prepare this banquet. My act of service was to send out the invitations. My act of service, there were different ways to worship that day, to worship Jesus. One of the ideas and books that has helped me the most uh, as I learned to try to love and serve others is an old book by Gary Chapman. Do you remember this one, The Five Love Languages? Have you ever heard of that book? You know, he talks about that, that, that there, some people are words people. They like words of affirmation. You know, you write them a note card, man, that tells them how thankful you are, and they are just like, whoa, yeah, that just meant so much. Other people are like, oh, yeah, that was fine, thanks. There's some of us that are like the, the, the huggers, you know, you, 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 get, you, you put an arm around somebody, you give them a big bear hug, it just means the world. It's like, wow, you have brought me into that personal space, and, 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 and that physical kind of affection is sort of the, you like to receive that. Other people, it's like, don't touch. One of my college student girls, so sweet, such a heart for Jesus, loved the Lord with all her heart. Um, she, but she did not like, like the, you know, don't not come up and give her that hug. She'd be like, <laughs> she would stiffen up. You know, she, just not, she got married a couple years ago to a massage therapist. <laughs> I just thought, I, I thought, so what? I just, I just, I didn't quite understand, but you know, maybe the whole opposites attract thing, I guess so. But one really loves the, 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 the physical touch and one just, uh, I, I don't, doesn't like it. Some are about gifts, right? They will plan and think about just the right gift, just the right thing that says, wow, you're special. I've paid attention to what you like and what you enjoy. Some people are not so much the gift givers. 
A long time ago, my wife just started going, look what you brought for me for my birthday. <laughs> she, she just decided that it was just, let's cut out the middleman here. Let's not worry about it. Let's just make sure I get what I want. And, you know, we don't waste our money on stuff that we don't really like or enjoy. It's like, oh, oh, okay, I, I get it. You know, some are gift givers. Some are not so much good gift givers. Some like the gifts. Some don't. Some it's about time. That's my dad. That's my dad. Called him for his birthday. He kept saying, oh, you know, I'm taking up too much of your time right now, but, but let me... And then he would just start another story. And then he would start another story. And then he would start another story. For my dad, it's about time. We took that church revitalization class. My dad took the class with me. Does he need another degree? Does he need another certification in his life? Does he need another class on his... The guy's got a couple, three master's degree and a doctorate degree in religion. He doesn't need another class. He could teach the class. But he did it just because it's time together. Some of us just want that, that, that special time, those long walks, those conversations. And of course, we saw Martha, the acts of service. There are some people that are just doers. Some people who just see a need and, oh, let me come and fix that. Let me come and help with that. Um, uh, Cindy was, or throughout this week, had taken off the little yellow strips that had been out for COVID. This, I think we had stopped using them months and months and months ago. MCC had stopped using them months ago. But just scrubbing down the pews a little bit to make sure that, hey, let's try to make it look nice. Let's try to, to restore. Acts of service. Those are acts of love. Those are acts of devotion. How do you model for your family? How do you encourage others to worship God in ways that might be different than you? Maybe for you it is the music, and you like certain styles of music, and you want to lift your hands and praise, and you like to sing and proclaim the goodness of the Lord. Some of you, it's serving. It's bringing the cooker up and making chicken and ribs for all of us. Thank you, Dick. <laughs> but it's a way that you are not doing it for us. I mean, they're doing it for us. Absolutely, we enjoyed it. But it's for the Lord. It's a service to God. It's a service to his king. You know, I know that there's things that have to get done around the church building, and maybe that's not our favorite thing anymore, but sometimes we do it as an act for the Lord. Sometimes we're giving extra finances. Not because God actually needs your money, but it's for your heart so that you would give to the Lord. It's to teach us those things. Have you ever written God a note just to say thank you? A poem, a devotion. You don't even have to be all that good at it. Just tell God how you feel. Well, worship always involves a sacrificial offering. Whether it's Lazarus there at the table, that doesn't seem like it's that hard of a work there, Lazarus. Or it's Martha making the dinner, that definitely seems more difficult. But look at the third sister. Look at the third one, Mary. She took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. And she poured it on Jesus' feet. She wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of perfume. Okay, Lazarus did something. Martha did some work. But Mary comes in. 
And I mean, all of a sudden, it's astounding. She breaks open this expensive alabaster jar. She pours out this pure nard on Jesus' feet. And we see in the other Gospels on his head as well that she anoints him. And the I mean, aroma fills the whole room. She does something that is costly. She does something that's expensive. It cost everybody that day time and energy. But she also put her money where her mouth is. She also put a valuable possession down at the feet of Jesus. She entered into a moment of worship. Sometimes I think we want to worship God and honor God in convenience. Not inconvenience, but in convenience. Through some way that is convenient. Through some little kind of, oh, oh, oh yeah, look, um, I'm walking through the mall, and the, do you remember how we used to throw pennies in the well, in the little fountain? It's like, oh, yeah, 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 oh, yeah, yeah, here, some loose change, I got some, here you go. Does that do anything? I don't think it goes anywhere. I, I, sometimes we want to give something, God something that costs me nothing, something that's ridiculous, something that is extra. My wife had a birthday this week. <clears throat> it was a big one. Let's call it 30. Um, <clears throat> She can pull it off. She can, she can, and you're like, oh, maybe, boy, that's young for Pastor Mike. Uh, it, okay, we're, we're just going to call it 30. Uh, but it is, we also, we, we had, we honored Liz Sales and her family with the funeral. At the end, there were some flowers, beautiful flowers left over, and I was encouraged by some of you, you're going to remain nameless, Karen Rupolt, um, take these flowers to your wife. She'll never know. I won't tell. They are pretty. They were nice. My wife was pleased when she walked in the door. But I knew I better not. I better not have that be the only gift. I better not give to my wife a gift that cost me nothing, right? A gift that was like, oh, look, here's something. They're pretty, they're flowers. I don't have to throw out the old flowers and get new flowers. It would be fine. Except it really doesn't say... I put any effort into this, or it cost me, or recognize how special you are. I better go and get a few other things. I better put some words of encouragement down. I better put some kind of a, I'm not even going to tell you what's in the can that jar. Um, I, I better put some things in there. It was candy. But I, I better put some things in there that it says, look, I put some effort into this. I put some energy into this. Now, later she went out and bought the gift that she really wants because that's how it works in my family. But I better show that even though I know you're going to buy the gift that you want, I better put some time, some energy, thought, money, words into saying that I love you. Anybody agree with that? You know where I got, you know where I learned this, right? From King David. From King David. Have you ever heard of the threshing floor of Aruna? It's like, well, no, is that a place to go on vacation? I don't know. What's the threshing floor of Aruna? Well, the threshing floor was where they took the wheat and stuff, and they would throw it in the air, and you'd let the chaff flow away, and the wheat would fall to the ground, and you would thresh these things. Sometimes you'd use animals. They'd walk on a trampoline and break apart different kinds of grains. But the threshing floor of Aruna was outside of the city of Jerusalem. It became part of the city of Jerusalem, uh, but it was there where King David lived, and David had sinned against the Lord. He had counted the fighting men, and he had taken pride in his own achievements, and he had become about himself, and the Lord was unhappy, and 
David was grief-stricken, God sent a plague. And there was this angel of death who was heading towards Jerusalem in this plague. And they saw it, and they saw the angel. And David goes out to kind of say, look, this is my fault. Don't accuse the people. The people are but sheep. I am supposed to be their shepherd. I am the one that sinned against you, Lord. How can I make this right? What can I do? And there in that place, God showed him that that was the place that the temple would be built, that the offerings would be made. And so David asked Aruna if he could have his threshing floor for an altar, for a place to set up and worship God and ultimately put the temple. Aruna's like, you bet. You can have it. I'll just give it to you. I will donate it to the cause. I don't want the plague to come. I will donate it. I will give you even the oxen, and I'll give you the, 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 the wood that are from the threshing sledges and things and the yokes for the altar and for the water. You can just have it right now. And David says this. King David replied to Aruna, No, I insist on paying for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God, burnt offerings that cost me nothing. This is on me. Now, brothers and sisters, let's be clear. When we come before God, we actually don't have anything that could pay for our sins. We don't have anything that could make it right with God. We don't own enough to pay off God. We don't have, if anything, of worth enough to somehow satisfy the, the wrongs that we have committed. There's nothing we can do. And so God sent his son. Jesus, our Savior, to be that sacrifice of atonement, to be the one who stands in the gap, to be the one that is between us and the wrath of God, who paid for all of our sins, who took them all away. He and he alone did that. And now, as redeemed, restored, forgiven, loved people of God, our worship is just in response, and we're like, thank you, God. But so often I think we're like, thanks, God. Not, thank you, God, here's my life. Thank you, God, here's my wallet. Thank you, God, here's my, my, my time. Thank you, God, here's my, my, my words of my mouth. Thank you, God, here's the love of affection of my heart. We fail to be those. It's like, it's like we're the ones who want to give God nothing. Jesus paid it all. How are you responding? Now, brothers and sisters, we have excuses. I make them. How about this one? Is this one you've used? Well, it's not really the best use of my time, money, effort. I, I mean, I know this is for God, but could not use that money in a little bit. You know, if I invested, <laughs> uh, then it would be worth more, and then I could give God more later. How about this one? I remember those days. I went on those mission trips. Oh boy, I really served a vacation Bible school. I've sort of paid my dues. I've put in my effort. I, I you know, other, other, it's, you know, it's time for other people to give. Brothers and sisters, worship is our life. We are living sacrifices, holy and obedient to him, holy and pleasing to him. It's not like, well, yeah, that was good for me back in my teenage years when I had more energy or time or later. Some of us are in the later mode. 
I really do need to really rekindle my heart to the Lord. I, boy, later. Later I'll get around to it. Later when I have more time. Later when I have more energy. Later when I have more, more money. Later when I have, that's when I'm going to give. Well, I love this one. Well, God, God knows my heart. See, that's Vicky. She knows my heart. I don't really need to get a gift. She knows I love her. We've been together for a long time. I don't really need to say it anymore. I don't... Anybody satisfied with that? I'm already getting some head. Some of you are... Mm. If my wife's not going to be satisfied with that, and she certainly deserves so much more, how much more does the Lord reserve our, deserve our love and our affection now? Look at Mary's gift could you take a look at it just a little bit deeper today? Look at Mary's gift. In verse 3, it says, Mary took this pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on his feet, wiping her feet, or wiping his feet with her hair. Do you realize that that's inappropriate? Do you realize that that's not what should have happened? That, 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 that he, as a woman in that society, she should not even be touching him, especially as a rabbi. And the fact that she's down here in kind of a fairly close and intimate manner, wiping his, his feet with her hair. That, and by the way, we usually use towels and that sort of thing. This is inappropriate. This is intimate. This is in a way that's like people are going, what is going on here? It made it uncomfortable uncomfortable for them. What does it say? And the house was filled with the fragrance of perfume. Now some of you might think, oh, that sounds lovely and beautiful. I'm about ready to gag just thinking about it, right? Do you ever walk through the department store and everybody, when they come out with the little spray things, they're like, oh, and all of a sudden they spray you with about four things and you're like, wow, that doesn't go together. And wow, that one more. And you're like, hey, I walk around that whole region of the store. I don't want to be anywhere near the fragrance department. It, it drives me nuts. I, I, I don't like strong smells like that. Um, I, it, it's not my favorite thing. Maybe you enjoy it. This was way too much. You know, a little nard would, it goes a long way, right? And this is, she poured out the whole pint. Could you imagine? Everybody was like, could you get the window, please? Is there a fan? I got to step outside for a moment. Her act of devotion was actually uncomfortable. And it was definitely illogical. It was definitely illogical. What does it say? Um, Judas points it out. Judas Iscariot, the one who would betray Jesus, the one who was actually a thief and used to steal the money. It says, he said, he objected, why wasn't this perfume sold? And the money could have been given to the poor. It was worth a year's wages. I'm sorry, feet don't need to ever smell that good. Let's use this for something important. Do you hear those excuses coming back? Finally, it was inconvenient. And this is an observation Jesus makes, though not in a critical way. Look what he says. Leave her alone. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. Realize that somebody else has got to go out and get some more uh, burial perfumes and stuff. That someone else is going to have to go buy. We, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus took care of it. They went out and bought the spices and, and, and anointed Jesus' body when he was buried and wrapped him in the cloth. This could have been used for that. In fact, Jesus says it kind of was intended that she would use it for that. 
Now somebody's got to go buy some more. It was inconvenient. Brothers and sisters, this gift of Mary's was completely right. Completely right. Sure, inappropriate. Sure, uncomfortable. Sure, illogical. Sure, inconvenient. But it was exactly the right thing because she lay down and didn't care about the cost. She didn't care about how it would look. She didn't care about, about how it would maybe bother somebody else. She just came and before the Lord said, this is what I'm doing for Jesus right now, here it is. How long has it been since we've done anything that was just, this is for you, Jesus. I, I don't have a, I, I mean, I, I've already paid my tithe, but I'm just, I'm just giving this. I, I, I've already been to church today, but I'm just coming up here. I, I've been doing this lately, and you're invited, 6 o'clock, right here, just because I needed to do something different. I needed to do something extra. I needed to do something more. Now, you can do whatever you want to do. It's not a guilt trip. It's not a, oh, do it like I do, or you're not real worship. Worship any way you want. Be a Lazarus at his feet. Be a, a Martha serving uh, by making food or helping at the, with the building or whatever you you want to do do something for someone else but just do it for the Lord give to him in a way that is extravagant a way that is uncomfortable a way that might be inconvenient a way that you're not trying to make others uncomfortable but you just aren't really thinking about what this is doing for anybody or anybody or everybody else in Mark 14 which an account that that while has some difference is probably the, the same account. Jesus says in verse 6, leave her alone. Why are you bothering me, her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you. You can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. It goes on in verse 8, she did what she could. You're not expected to do what anybody else can do. You're not expected to do what others are trying to do. She did what she could. She poured the perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done for me will be told in memory of her. So this morning I ask you, how is your worship life? How is your worship life? How will you sacrifice this week? This week? Is there some way you could give some time to God that you weren't planning to give? Maybe it's an extra hour earlier, ten minutes later at night. What is something you could give time-wise? You know, that's one of our love languages. Or maybe it's a gift that you could give to God. I, I, I don't know if it's a, a thing or, or finances, but something that you want to say, here's some resources that I, I would... No, I'm not spending it on me. I just want to give to the Lord. Or maybe it's an act of service. Or maybe some words that you want to write out or, or, or you want to speak out loud or you want to give to God in worship. Today, how will you respond? Today, how will you give? Today, what will you bring? In times, we've taken a moment to, to light a candle in this church. At the beginning of a worship service, typically. I'm going to light it now. I don't know. Does it bless God in some way? Does, does somehow God need a flame? Maybe I need one. Maybe I just need to say, Lord, light the fire in my heart. 
Maybe I just need to say, God, would you do this again? Would you ignite in me a passion for your word, a passion for your presence, a desire to know you more? As I light this flame, as we take a moment as a congregation, would you speak those words? Would you offer yourself to the Lord as a living sacrifice again? Let's pray. Lord, let today be a day that's all about you. On this Father's Day, Juneteenth celebration, let us celebrate you. You are the giver of real freedom. You are our eternal Father. How could we ever have enough words to express the love that we owe? Take our response. Take us as living sacrifices laid out to you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to sing a song that here I am to worship. Would you let that be the song of your heart today? Would you worship the Lord in spirit and truth? We want to take the time. If you need to respond and be at the altar to pray, you can come. You can come to the front. Maybe that's just what you need to do. Maybe just standing where you are, kneeling where you are, whatever you want to do, feel the freedom to just give God your devotion. If you need to follow Jesus or need to know more about giving your life to him, I'm going to be over here. You come. You respond as God is calling you.